Hebrews chapter 13 verses 10 to 14 we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat for the bodies of these animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp therefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate so let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach for here we do not have a lasting city but we are seeking the city which is to come good morning Hebrews chapter 13, verses 10 to 14. The title of today's sermon is Belong to Christ. The author declared that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He also warned the readers of the letter to avoid getting carried away with false teaching but instead they should strengthen themselves in the grace of God. In the past week, we had these growth groups, and I'm handling three growth groups in a week, but last week it was four. And um, one of the questions in the, the guide questions in the bulletin, which some of the members of the growth group like answering because it challenged their their mind to really analyze the scripture. One question is why do many many people are attracted to false teaching? And some of them gave very biblical answers like it's found also in scripture that in the last days people will like to hear those that will tickle them those that they would want to hear, others said to justify their sin. And there are some who would, who would preach on stuff that may justify their sin and many others. But in a way, the author said, be careful. And today we must be careful. Now at other times, people just are fond of listening to new knowledge but without the ability to test them. And that ability comes from rigorously studying the Holy Scriptures prior to embracing or listening or testing other doctrines, but really understanding, especially exegesis, which is allowing to find or allowing the author to speak what he means or searching for the intent of the author. And that includes the study of the text and the study of history. What did the author mean and what did the readers, the audience, uh, what did it mean to the audience? Of course, we have to have basic understanding of analyzing uh, a story. A story or even a newspaper story has structure and elements. When we were in, in elementary or high school, we were asked by the teacher, what's the main idea of the paragraph? What's the main idea of the story? And the same thing we have to apply here. It is necessary to study scriptures 
And to be strengthened by the grace of God is to rely on the grace of God, but as well to rely on the wisdom of God as we study Scripture. The author would then encourage the believers to bear the reproach of Christ, to suffer in his name, and to remain faithful even if their fellow Jews treated them as outcasts. What believers have in Christ surpasses all that Judaism or any other religious order has to offer. And I'd like to emphasize that everything we have in Christ surpasses everything. Surpasses everything. Surpasses what this earth or world can offer. It surpasses what uh, people can offer us in this world. It surpasses everything. Every religion. It is way beyond. The riches in Christ, which are mainly spiritual in nature, is beyond, is way beyond what we can ever find on earth. Now, the author gives them certain encouragements and uh, warnings, and that's this book about. Hebrews is about a bunch of warnings and a bunch of encouragements, and the center of it is who Christ is. Christ, the greatest of all, superior to Judaism, superior to everything. And with Christ as a center, again, it's a series of warnings, and the warnings are, are fiery warnings. These are scary warnings. And uh, and encouragements that can go way beyond what we ask or think. And I'd like to say that preaching is the same way, and discipling others in the same way. It is warning them, encouraging them with Christ at the center of it. Not us, not you, not even that person. Christ is the center. And as we encourage others to grow in the Lord, we encourage them, but we also warn them of certain behaviors that they should not uh, in, apply or have a habit of or practice. First point, we have an altar. Let's read verse 10. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Those who serve the tabernacle were the priesthood. If you read Exodus or if you remember what we have discussed in Exodus and if you have personally read and understood Leviticus and the priesthood, the sons of Aaron or the descendants of Aaron would serve in the tabernacle and there they arrange bread, they kill the animal outside and they bring it in. So they serve there. So there's bread there that they handle. So what the author is saying, but we have something in the tabernacle is the altar of incense, and within, within the veil is uh, the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant, which is a composition of the law within the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat where the blood is sprinkled, saying that, that God's mercy is on top of his law. But before that was an altar. But since Christ died and resurrected... He has already fulfilled that. It was a new day. It was a new covenant. Therefore, those who keep doing that, the writer is saying, has no part with what we have. If they continue there or they do that or you're, you're being recruited back to that, well, they have no part in what we have. You cannot mix it together, Christ and other religions. 
you cannot say, why not both? Why not I exalt Christ and other gods? Why not I exalt Christ and exalt his mother at the same time? No, there is no other name. There is only one, Christ Jesus, who is truly Savior and who is truly sovereign and no one else. And through him is him. Through the Father is through him. But we may call on him directly as the Father gives us the grace, draws us to him directly. The author explained that the believers have an altar who is Christ himself. But those who serve the tabernacle, a symbol of the Levitical system, the tabernacle no longer exists during the AD 60s. We have to remember that. It is a temple, and there were several versions of that temple because of so many wars. Now, so this is a symbolism, symbolizing the Levitical system or the ceremonies of the Old Covenant. If you remain there, then you have no part in Christ. Because Christ fulfilled the old, then established the new. Anyone who looks back to Judaism, as the author wrote to these Jewish believers, would not belong to Christ. Would not belong to Christ. The only way to Christ is the grace of God through faith in Him. Those who rely on religious ceremony will not share in the promises of God in Christ unless they turn to Christ ultimately. Unless we turn to him fully, we don't belong. Unless they turn to Christ fully, they don't belong. There is an invitation, of course. There is a proclamation of the gospel. But one must come to him in faith completely. Because if you have faith in Christ completely, then there is no need for other religious beliefs. It is believing in Christ and Him alone. Next point, Christ outside the camp. Let's read verses 11 to 13. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin. Remember, the, whole, the tabernacle, the tent, has two parts, the holy place and the most holy place. So, but there's, there's an altar outside of that camp, outside of that tent. There is an altar, if you remember. They are burned outside the camp, so outside the tent. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Now, he's making a parallel that Christ died outside the gate. What does that mean? Outside Jerusalem. Outside the home of the Jewish people. The cross was outside Jerusalem. Outside of the home of the Jewish people. So, as, as these animals were slaughtered outside the tent, so Christ suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. So let's go to him. Now, the animal died at the brazen altar outside the tent before the priests offered the blood inside the tabernacle. Again, outside 
the animals were killed before they are brought to the altar of incense, sprinkled part of it in the altar of incense. The author instructed the Jewish believers to go to Christ and suffer for him outside Jerusalem. Now, it's not suffering outside Jerusalem. Go to Christ who died outside Jerusalem, but meaning outside the Jewish system. Go to him who is Christ's outside this tabernacle system. He has fulfilled it already. Go to him outside, not inside. Don't try to mix it, both of it. Go to him. Don't hang on to religion when you may have a relationship with the Father through repentance and faith, which happens within our hearts. There is no need for many ceremonies. There is no need for many dogmatics that is not based on Scripture. We come to Christ outside the gate, which means outside Judaism as well, outside that system which makes you an outcast. You don't belong with them. You can belong to Christ outside the gate, not within the Jewish or Judaism. Uh, the Jewish system of worship. Not there, but outside. So that was the language here. That was uh, the author. Of course, they would easily understand these verses because they know the Jewish system very well. And they know their Genesis, they know their Exodus and Leviticus. They know the Torah. That's why we should study it. Now, if you missed our long series on Genesis and Exodus, you may still review it. And you can go to gcfnaga.com slash sermons and look for our series there. And listen, and I think some of the outline is still there, to understand somehow how this worship system worked. It was good for a time. It was good as a preparation, a foreshadowing, an understanding of how it works. Like, uh, an animal is brought by the sinner to the priest. And the animal, innocent of sin, because I'm the sinner and all are sinners, I have sinned, everybody sinned, whether some people say I have less sin, some people have more sin, they hurt others, I don't hurt others, I'm still a sinner. So the sinner goes there and brings an animal who is innocent, has no connection with the person's sin. And that animal is slaughtered as a substitute for the person bringing that as a sacrifice. And that is the same parallel. Christ is the fulfillment of that. Christ, someone who did not sin, as the writer of Hebrews explicitly explained, had no sin, sacrificed himself. He is the perfect sacrifice for mankind because he was innocent. So he died as a substitute because of our sin. Now it says here as well that Christ's blood would sanctify those who believe in him. And Christ died outside the camp, which might symbol outside of Jerusalem. And there was no need for the Jewish believers to belong to Judaism, but they should belong to Christ. So deep inside of us, jumping to our day, we have to really understand or believe that we belong to him. There is no, no other mix. 
There is no self and Christ. There is no money and Christ. There is no career and Christ. There is no personal business and Christ. There is no mix. There is no other religions and Christ. There is only Christ. No one goes to the Father except through Christ. And we have to be fully determined about that. There is no one that challenges the authority of Christ within our hearts. He is sovereign and he has no rival there. Our hearts are completely his. Not family, not wife, not husband, not father, not mother. No one. Absolutely no one. In everything we do, we do in his name. Of course, we should love our wives and respect our husbands. But why do we do it? Not for the sake of them, but for the sake of his name. To glorify the Father in his name. And that must be fully realized within us. And remember that God looks at the heart. Not on the outward appearance. We may look spiritual outside, but if the heart is not completely surrendered to him, then you are not surrendered to him. If anybody teaches that you can give your heart slowly to him, maybe now 50%, later on it can be 75% and 100%. I don't see that in scripture I see still that as somebody who's not willing to deny self and follow him. So such a person is not a follower of Christ. And many have come up with these theories that there's a dichotomy between somebody being saved and being a disciple. I don't see that as well. In fact, what is more consistent is the Christians were called, the disciples were called Christians, sorry. The disciples were called Christians. There is no dichotomy. Preaching the gospel is about repentance and following him, believing in him completely. And there was no middle ground. But modern Christianity has added a middle ground. Why? Maybe because of the church growth movement that there was more pride in having bigger churches. And for the sake of filling it up easier, let's make it easy for people to respond to the gospel. So several techniques were invented or propagated to belong to Christ. This means we don't belong here. Oh yes. You cannot be so comfortable with the world and still belong to Christ. Now, he assures them of the city of Christ. Verse 14, let's read that. Uh, For here we do not have a lasting city. So it's consistent. You go to Christ outside Jerusalem, outside the system of Judaism. Go outside for here. Look at the logic, clear logic. For here, we do not have a lasting city here. Don't be so concerned of belonging here. But we are seeking the city which is to come, and we know that was also written in Hebrews chapter 11, where the patriarchs, especially Abraham, looked for, longed for the city made by God. That's why he kept dwelling in tents, because he was still looking for that city. For a lifetime he looked for it. He waited for it. So here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city 
which is to come. The author reminded the believers that earthly cities are temporal and that they do not belong on earth. However, they belong to the city that they look forward to, which is the city of God in the heavens. The Jewish believers felt they were outcasts, not belonging to their people. But the author comforted them in saying that they belong to the city to come, the same city that Abraham longed for. Well, Peter, in First Peter, pushed the idea that you are a nation by yourself as believers. You don't have to belong here because you are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Not a nation, not a geopolitical nation, but a nation under God. And every true believer, a citizen of that nation. Let's go back to each point and let's expand the application to our time. Number one, worship in his name. Well, it says we have an altar. Well, that altar is Christ. So remain faithful to the gospel message. God's promises in Christ are only found in Christ. How redundant. And I, I want to be redundant. God's promises are in Christ not in Judaism, not in the works of the law, not in personal morality, not in religious ceremonies through faith in Christ alone. And those who have faith in Christ worship the Father in Christ's name. Our worship is in spirit and in truth, not in ceremonies of the law, nor Religious man-made ceremonies, but a heart that believes with all conviction of who Christ is. With all conviction that he is God. That he sits at the right hand of the Father, which is the highest authority on earth. Take note, when they say right hand in monarchy times long ago, it means somebody with the authority to execute. So he is the executor, the one who will fulfill the will of the Father, and he has done that several times, or many times, I believe, for eternity. Uh, from the time that the world was created, John made, made an account that nothing was made without him. Without the word, nothing was made. And even his death and resurrection is a fulfillment of the Father's will. We have to worship him and believe in who he is completely. Therefore, a true believer who worships in spirit and truth will have an appreciation of who Christ is. We have the appreciation that he is our high priest forever. Now, what in the world does that mean? The Jewish mind would understand that. The Jewish mind who understand their history would, un would know that. But we who are Gentiles have no understanding, therefore we study the Holy Scriptures. It means a lot. Being the perfect sacrifice, what does that mean? Because if you don't understand these things, the death and resurrection is a weird thing for you. Why would the father kill his son? That would be a really weird thing. But if you understand divine law as it was instituted in the Old Testament, you have an appreciation because God is just and all are sinners and all deserve to go to hell and damnation and the lake of fire. We all deserve that. However, by divine law, as practiced in the Old Testament, 
being consistent with divine law allows a substitute, but the substitute must be perfect, has no sin. That's why Christ was also called the Lamb of God. It's in the One of his titles is the Lamb of God. Then now we have an appreciation. I see it's a substitute for us. But if you don't understand this system, if you don't understand the scriptures on who Christ is, it's the weirdest thing. Oh, so he died? So what? How does that pay for my sin? That is why it is good to study. Now, to worship him is to understand who he is and what he did and what it meant. What it meant for God, what it meant for us, what it meant for Christ, then our worship will be sincere and our worship will be real. Our thanksgiving will be deeper than, thank you, Lord, for the food. Number two, no need to fit in. Well, we don't need to fit in the world or the earthly system. Those who are not in Christ and those who will not be in Christ will not share in the promises of the Father. But you know, the funny thing is Christians are trying to fit in with these people who do not belong, who have no share, and we're trying to fit in. We're trying to be cool like them. We're trying to have dreams that they promote. There is no need to fit in for the sake of belonging. But when you allow your human nature to want to belong to the earth, that's when you stop thinking spiritually. You don't have to belong with your classmates or hang out, especially if not, they're not fulfilling the will of God. There's no need to belong or hang out to whatever groups are there out there just for the sake to say that I belong and I have a position there. Don't you know I'm a vice president there in that organization? And I'm not against civic duties, by the way. I'm addressing the state of the heart, the state of the heart. There's a difference between belonging because there's a, there's a motive for the glory of God and for the sake of belonging. Our belongingness is in Christ and his church community. When you have uh, issues, problems, who do you speak with? Is it somebody who can counsel you with the word of God is it somebody who, can, who you can ask, what does the word of God say about this? Or just anybody else, just any friend who will give you advice and will just absorb it and listen, it, listen to it. And then, and I'm talking about issues of the soul, issues of the mind and the emotions. I'm not talking about issues of science. I'm not talking about issues of engineering. Of course, we need to consult the experts there in a manner of speaking. But in terms of marriage, in terms of integrity, in terms of how to lead the family, in terms of how to relate to a difficult sibling, 
first and foremost, it has to be the scriptures. In everything, scripture first. The world's ways are not our ways, therefore we should never let the culture that surrounds us pressure us to conform. Instead, we stand firm and trust in God's word because we belong to Christ. We don't bend to conform. We stand strong and fulfill what the will of God states. And lastly, find your identity in Christ. We look forward to the heavenly city where we belong. It is in Christ that we find our identity. Thus, we shall remain faithful to him and his word amid a world that will tempt us to lose faith. Take note, it's a world that will tempt us to lose faith. By grace, we belong to Christ. Take note, that's why anchor your thoughts and your minds into his word. Now, here's the problem with, with some. They lean towards pragmatism rather than, than anchoring themselves in faith in Christ and his word. What is pragmatism? If it works, do it. So somebody's engaging in business, this works, we cheat them a little bit, we're earning more money, it works, let's do it. I mean, that is a dangerous proposition. Well, my marriage is okay, I don't need Christ. Again, pragmatism, or uh, something's wrong, therefore we need Christ. And they have turned Christ and the Word of God into a vending machine. If you need, you come. It's like an order. I'm hungry, let's order. I have a need, let's pray. Let's be active in church. No, it doesn't matter. Those things should not matter. And those things are not a factor. It's just... Our identity is in him no matter what. The circumstance. No matter what happens outside or inside, we belong to him and no one else. We submit to his word 100%. We don't get into a selection process of uh, I like the commands here, but this one I don't like, so therefore I'll ignore it. Then you have not surrendered. You're, you're fake. You're fake. I'd like to hear these sermons, but these sermons I don't like to hear because it hurts. You're a fake. What do you do if you know you're a fake? You humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, in everything, Lord, I submit, even the things that hurt. Honestly, the things that hurt, you'd rather go through it to end it. It's like a medical procedure. It can be very uncomfortable. It's like going to the dentist. Quite uncomfortable, but it's the only way to end it. It's like getting an operation. But some would not. Because the emotions were not surrendered to him yet. They think they have, in their minds they have. 
but clearly the emotion was not surrendered. Because no matter what the pain, we will go through it. What he said is what he said. If he said, no adultery, adultery is a sin, we cut it, no matter how it hurts. It doesn't matter. We just cut it. How uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. We'd rather tell the truth than hide it. Because it keeps bugging us and bothering us. But the truth is uncomfortable. It's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt others. But when you go through the, through the truth, when we go through the truth in His name, we submit to it, go through the process, and trust that He will restore us. That is surrender. You trust in His way, not your way. Your way is to hide it as much as you can. But God's way is different. It is found in Scripture, and it's usually counter-cultural. By His grace, our hearts and minds become fully submitted to His Word. We find our soul's comfort and peace in belonging to Christ. There's that song, We Belong to You Alone. And something I love to sing. Lord, we belong to You alone. I belong to you alone. That is worship. And with full surrender within. My opinion does not matter. It's surrendered to the Lord. Once I have an opinion and I study the scriptures and I realize my opinion is wrong, then I change that opinion. I change that way of thinking. But some don't want to study more. They want to hold on to traditional opinions. They don't want to study because they don't want to change. They don't want to change. But the more you study, either you get more confirmation or contradiction. But why not go through it? Why not go through the study of God's Word? So we encourage everybody to join growth groups. Growth groups are different. Some growth groups study more the Word of God. Some growth groups have more fellowship and encouragement. Well, find a growth group that fits you. But every now and then, uh, well, during this pandemic, I haven't introduced a book study. Uh, but every now and then, we do have these other studies, and we would encourage you to go there to really study it. And to counter-check what you believe and what you think and your practice, your daily practice against it. And if you're not content there, then I encourage you to, uh, to study other literature. We, we taught you Romans, the whole, every verse we went through Romans. But there, there are commentaries down there. There are commentaries that I will buy. It's called triangulation, to double-check what humans have done. Because although we are guided by the Spirit, we are limited by our own human faculties. And sometimes humans make a mistake. So what do we do? That's why we're a community. We check one another. If I make a mistake, I can be corrected. So we study. We triangulate. We keep studying and appreciate the beauty until we get to the accuracy. And once you get accuracy, it's something that excites you. Wow, this is it. I don't know, if you have not felt that feeling, you're missing a lot in the study of Scripture. If there is no wow, 
Wow, that is so clear. That is so consistent. That is why, that is what it means from end to end. It gives clarity and consistency. And there's a line to the historical and the literary. This is it. That thing is beautiful. It's like something divine explodes within. Boom. It's like joy coming out. Then you hold on to it. You reflect on it. You walk around with it. You even sleep on it. The truth that was made clear. Sometimes the truth is I have heard a hundred times but only made more clear. Sometimes it's a truth that I know so little about but made very clear like an unveiling at this time. So we encourage you, study the Holy Scriptures and study with us. You just ask your growth group leader, can we study more? And that growth group leader will be pressured and they will ask help from others to study more. We find our soul's comfort and peace in belonging in Christ. That is why we desire to share this experience with others. That is why we proclaim and make disciples. Why we know something happened within. There's a salvation that happened within. There's a joy that happened within, but most importantly, we were given a new heart. The laws were written in our hearts, and now we want to obey. That does not happen automatically. That doesn't happen in the world. It is only divine. The divine hand that can make that happen. So we share the others, the gospel of Christ, that Christ suffered, died for our sins, and he rose again from the dead because he had no sin. He died for a while because he became sin. He had no sin, but he became sin for us. But because he had no sin after paying for our sins, he had no personal sin, so death could not hold him. Remember, the wages of sin is death. And because of sin, Adam and Eve died. Not immediately, but died of old age. Death came into the world. So sin came into us, but through Christ, he became sin. And then no sin, he resurrected. Therefore, by repentance, by faith in him, by his grace, we are forgiven of that sin. Praise be to God. And that is what we proclaim. Faith in him. Of course, if you truly have faith, you will repent of your sin. If you truly believe, you will repent of your sin. And if you truly repent, you will believe in him. It's a cyclical thing. Both are necessary. I shared to you a piece of literature entitled Deeply Anchored. Actual altar here, not a place, nor is it our own private space. It's not being ceremonial, but it's about self-denial. The Lord's altar is within us. It is where we exalt Christ Jesus. Empty of self, but full of him, our souls will never grow dim. God's promises are forever. That's why from the world we sever. From false teaching we separate so we would not degenerate. To worldly ways we say never because we are his forever. 
We shall never deny our Lord something humans cannot afford. Genuine faith deeply anchored and cannot be unentangled. We're unshakable to the core to worship always wanting more. Altar in heaven and within, we repent fully of our sin. By grace, we worship in spirit, not because of our own merit. We long for the city to come. There you will greet us. Welcome. Welcome home, dearly beloved. Your fiery trials have ended. Let us all rise. Thank you, Lord, for this morning's message. We pray blessing upon each one. Enrich all of us. Till our dying breath, we belong to you completely. Your word we love, for you we love. Your word we respect, for you we fear. And it is a fear that is of deep respect and admiration. Not a fear of your judgment, because you have given us grace already. Yet, we warn others of your judgment that outside Christ there is no mercy, but within Christ there is mercy for the soul, and they can belong. They can be welcomed to your city. Teach us that we don't need to belong here, but we belong in Him, in Christ, and together we walk this walk that sometimes can be lonely, but together we are not alone. Together, you make us strong in his name and by his spirit. Protect us from COVID-19 and all other diseases. Keep us healthy. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of his spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you.